everyone. Thank you for listening to The Woke Agent. I'm your host, Tiffany Jarvis. I'm a local real estate agent in Lexington, Kentucky, and this is the podcast where I talk to my friends in the real estate business about how they run their business, their opinions, their outlooks on the industry ahead, and just generally how they stay woke in this world. So we do so many deals with these people. We never get to know who they are. I am here to change that. My guest today, I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's Karen Dupree. Did I say that right? You said that right. It's Karen Dupree. It's Karen Dupree. Uh She is an agent at the brokerage, which is kind of a new, it's a new brokerage in town Mm -hmm. a little bit. So you were, I'm just going to dig into it. You were at a big box broker for a very long time. Now you're at a local brokerage. Can you tell me why and what the difference is and without getting to... Sure, sure. I mean, it ends up being about the same depending on your personality. For me, um, I had grown my business, and I wanted to work a little slower. And as the larger company kept getting larger, which is great because that meant success for the company, I chose to move to a smaller company where I'm a little bit better because I find it overwhelming sometimes. I'm very outspoken, um, but I tend to be an extrovert with work and and then a lot of times an introvert. Were you a co-owner in that company? No, I almost did. Um, I went through the whole steps of thinking about it when they expanded to the Hamburg area. And then having had my own companies for years, I decided that I just want to work. Okay. <laughs> so I, I do know that you used to own a healthcare company, correct? I'm a clinical nutritionist by training. I was a massage therapist for about 30 years in Connecticut and then I uh, started a, an ad specialty company for alternative medicine industry and then sold that 15 years ago. And I, I do know a, a little bit of how you got started. I, I just met you very recently. I had never done a deal with Karen, but I see you everywhere. You're like the downtown <laughs> queen, and that's my dream. And I want to be an agent like Karen someday. So, um, so here we are. So I, that's what you did before you sold real estate. You got mm-hmm. in the business in 2006, mm-hmm. and then the market went s- quite south. The day I got my license is, I think, when the day the market <laughs> was south. But I didn't know any differently, you didn't so know. it didn't matter. Did, were you selling at that time? How did you, because a lot of people that I've talked to said, you know, I had to get a regular job at that time. I did with the no. best I could do. No, I'm pretty frugal. I'm from Maine, so they teach you how to <laughs> make your money today for tomorrow. Um, not knowing a lot of people, I knew two people in Lexington. I was forced to really get out of my shell. So I volunteered a lot. I did downtown neighborhood associations. So I hear that all the time. Every new agent, when I came in, I came in in 2015, and they preach on spear. You know, you, you write down all of your spear and do this. And I'm like, oh, I don't have anybody. That's I'm right. from Eastern Kentucky. We're poor. <laughs> Ain't nobody buying a house from me. So I, I built my business on strangers. That's did right. you do That's the That's exactly same? it. Um, actually, I paid friends of mine uh, – with a lot of beer for the first Fourth of July party at the downtown at Gratz Park, and they passed up my card. So I um, I have heard um, I have heard other people talk about you. Um, someone was like, "You got to ask her about her her background." 
you know, someone that doesn't know you, I'm like, oh, Karen, like you're selling all this big, big money downtown. Mm -hmm. But you didn't come from that world. No, I came from a poor town in northern Maine. I mean, we picked potatoes, put ourselves to get clothes to go to school. So. So what made you... I'm a cold caller, right? And I do a lot of expired leads, and I—I'll be honest, I skip over big money listings. I'm—I'm I'm afraid. Well, why? Well, so so having been in healthcare, so when I had a massage practice, I worked with hospice, and so one of the things that happens is you see people who have all sorts of money or have no money, but at the end of it, it doesn't matter. And so I always remembered that my, my grandmother taught me that no matter what you do, you have to have pride in yourself. And so um, as scared as I was, I just made believe. And so my big thing is you had to learn about the product, which is a house. And I think that's one of the things that I preach is that a lot of agents know sales techniques or scripts or all those things and they go to sell a house and they don't know anything about the house so I learned about the house so I mean if you're going to sell cars you got to know about cars you're going to sell houses you have to know about so that was the process and so I would just hang out with people that were doing you know renovations and old houses are completely if you can sell an old house you can sell anything I I sold an old house on Ellesmere Park with Suzanne Elliott, uh-huh. and it was it was a very rough rough deal. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, this client was just like working with a hundred and twenty thousand dollar client. That's right. it, it really wasn't that different. So no. I'm not quite sure how to get over this fear of calling these expired listings and, oh, there's one that's 600000 How do I talk to this person? It's actually, um, sometimes it's easier, but you have to learn how to speak to those people. So you have to learn to, if you don't have self-confidence, you have to learn to make believe that you're strong. And that I think, I mean, in sales, it's 90-some percent psychology. Do you... When you started out, did you think, were you thinking, well, I've got to find a way to relate to these people, or you just didn't? You just didn't care? Like I did care. I cared too much. Um, but what I remembered is being new to the area, um, it was really important to feel that um, people were around me, and I chose downtown because it felt like a community. And so I wanted to let that prospective seller or buyer know that that's how I was going to do sales. And so when I sell downtown, the first thing I do is if I don't know the neighborhood or any area, not just downtown, is I want to know who the neighbors are because that's the most important thing. We will do our sales pitch, the buyer's agent, the seller's agent. We can't talk about a lot of things, but what we can do in my line is usually, listen, I'm doing my sales thing here. I'm teaching you about the house as best as I can. But this is where you will live. This will be your home. It's not a house. It's your home. It's, um, so why don't I get you the name of several neighbors? Do you want to talk to them? And most people will say yes. So that would be for like a buyer. But a seller that's lived there for 25 years, do you still talk to their neighbors? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I want the neighbor to know that they always say, find me a good neighbor. Well, we can't. You know, we can't pick and choose who's going to buy a house. But what we can do is make them feel good that you're part of it. 
that they're a part of. So it. when you take a new listing, let's say it's on Ellesmere Park right. or Fayette Park or something right. like that, and you you literally go to the neighbor yeah. or ha- several neighbors mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, I'm about to list this house." I do, and so I'm not shy doing those things, but I'm shy cold calling. A lot of people tell me that they. When I first started, it was, you better do open house, open house mm-hmm. all the time, all the time. And I, I did, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm really terrible at this. Mm-hmm. And I, my two hours on a Sunday is better spent on the phone. Right. But I think that's an important, I talk about this like every podcast of, you know, maybe you're not good at open house. Maybe you're better on the phone. Maybe downtown isn't your thing. You know, maybe you should sell in the suburbs, like. I think people should do a little bit of both because sometimes, you know, what happened for me is I became, you know, I got such a niche that when I went to do other areas, um, in the beginning, people go, oh, but all you do is sell downtown. And so you almost box yourself in. So you have to, you know, when you start, you don't think about anything. You just, you just go 150 miles an hour. Yes. But when, after doing it for 14 years, when you pull back, you go, okay, these are my skills. My skills are, I'm very much a people person. And if, you know, I will never tell somebody that, you know, they have to spend X amount of dollars to fix their house. I'll find a way that it's comfortable for them financially to prep it. And if I have to go in there and wear my sweatpants and help them, that's part of the neighborly thing to do. So I know a lot of agents coming from the Nashville market that um, when they get to a Karen level, you know, they stop selling. I don't sell anything under 250. Oh, no. You're not that person, no, though. You, no. I, you sell to anybody, whoever. You know? Anybody. I will take a $50,000 listing. And I've done that recently. And the poor lady... Um, had no money. And at the end, I just gave her the commission back because she needed money. And so you listen, growing up poor, I mean, we didn't know we were poor, but but you always have to pay it forward. Because if you don't, you lose your sense of why you're in it, you become not that there's ever anything wrong with salespeople. But you know, th- this is such an emotional thing. This is not commercial real estate. This is right, residential. Right. You don't know if the people you're putting in that house have lost a spouse or fighting a disease. They've all got a story. They all and it's have always a, story. a hard story. It is a hard story. So as long as you keep your hard stories to yourself, so it's not about you, make it about them. And okay. so help them out as best as possible. So I want to talk to you about downtown. Um, do you live downtown still? I don't anymore. I moved uh, three years ago. Okay. But you were a long time downtown exactly. resident. Um, you used to live on Hampton Court. We lived, our first house was on West 3rd Street. Okay. but So you've seen this whole transition mm-hmm. of downtown from, you know, I remember back 10 years ago, you didn't go past 3rd Street. That's what they would say. You don't, right. don't go past 3rd Street. Right. And now, you know, West 6 happened and you can go all, you can go anywhere you anywhere. want to. Mm-hmm. And um, you've seen this whole transition. So what is your opinion of the state of downtown? Do we have a problem with gentrification? I think any urban area will. And so it depends on how you define uh, gentrification. It's basically displacement. So if, if the cities, the towns have a plan in place to take care of the people that are being displaced, 
then that's a great thing. Um, it will always happen. It happens in other areas. It's just not downtown. A displacement means that, for the most part, areas get exciting, like Southland. Southland has gotten to be a really oh, hip crazy. area. Yeah. Right. And so those people are being displaced because people are buying up houses there. So you can't just look at an urban area. Now, the reason that I think there are mixed emotions is that um, in an urban area, you have a much more diverse population. I love diverse. I, lo I was a renter till I was almost 40. And so... When somebody says, oh, well, there's a renter there. I, it's, I hate that, too. I'm like, I am the best renter that you could ever exactly. have next door to you. I am sometimes better <laughs> than somebody owns a house. For real. Me, too. So that I usually, you know, if, if I hear another agent saying that, I won't embarrass them in front of their client, but I'll do a little, you know, big sister thing and say, listen, that's not real cool to say that. Yeah. And when they talk about, oh, it's great, it's being gentrified, well, they don't really That's know what that means. That's not a good word. Like, it's not It's not always a good word. No. It's yeah. To some people, it is. Because to some people, it means dollars. To yeah. people who are living there and losing their homes. Now, here, here's my big thing. I don't care what price point your home is. Clean it up. May, be a good neighbor. So then if your neighbor doesn't have the money and you're complaining about the weeds or whatever... Take the energy that you're spending complaining and take a half day and volunteer to help that neighbor to clean it up. Be a neighbor. I mean, what is wrong with that? It's like, that's, that's, how, we used, that's how we used to do it. I mean, somebody's husband or wife died and you would take over the casserole, but it wasn't just the casserole during the passing. It was you were there to blow, take care of the snow. You were there to help them. And we've lost that. I, I lived in a wonderful neighborhood over by campus on Westwood Court when mm -hmm. I first moved back to Lexington. And my neighbors, my parents were like horrified that this is a college neighborhood. You are going to have, this is going to be problematic for right. you. My neighbor had been there for 55 years. The other neighbor had been there 38 years and they took care of my dog well, I would go to work and leave my dog outside. They would walk her around. They would feed her. My neighbor that had been there for 55 years mm -hmm. would grill out hot dogs and make my dog put it on the bun and bring it to her. And right. I was like, you got it for me? <laughs> no, I know. I mean, when we moved to West 3rd Street, so the moving van comes in and the neighbor to the right, who had lived there 30-some years, says, welcome to the neighborhood, and gave us a bottle of wine. The neighbor on the other side gave us some food, and I looked at my partner and I said, oh, my God, I have never, and I've lived in so many different cities, and I've lived in Canada, I've never had that experience. It makes you feel so good. So as an agent, yeah, that's what you need to bring to a neighborhood and you're to right. a prospective buyer. And if you're the selling agent, make that happen. Make that happen. So, um, I have you watched this Newsweek investigation story about Long Island? I did, and parts of it just really broke my heart. It was it was hard to watch. Yeah, and it does happen. If if you if anyone's listening out there and they don't know what I'm talking about, there's a Newsweek article. They did a three year study on real estate agents in Long Island mm -hmm. and how they were being, they were discriminating against clients or customers. Um, uh, I think they said that um, African-American clients that would come in were discriminated mm -hmm. against 51% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, it happens here, too. Well, it's not just African-Americans. It's like anybody who looks a little different, we have to be careful how we present things as as agents. And so, you know, um, I've, I don't look at people any differently than me. Now, I don't know their stories. And so if I say anything, do something, I always tell people. And that's, that's something about my personality. That's how I was, I was taught is like, if I'm offending you or doing anything, please tell me. I can't fix it unless you tell me. Now, agents, agents are people. Um, it will happen in any industry. The only difference is with that area is they were caught. We yes. have to watch our language and what we do. And what. And that's why using the word gentrification sometimes is you've got to be careful or yes. you, this is a great place to do an Airbnb and, and they don't the agents have never owned an Airbnb and don't know anything about it, but they hold, they use that as a sales marketing tool to sell a property. Yes, I, I see that, that all the time downtown. Right, Martin Luther King or Fifth Street or all the great place for an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't it be a great place for like to someone live. to live? Exactly, exactly. So how do we? I mean, how do we fix this image? How do we? Obviously, we watch this Newsweek thing. How do we fix something like that? How do we fix this image also of, you know, you just open a door. Mm-hmm. We don't just open doors. So, but that is the image. And so now, because we have so many i buyers and so many companies, the Zillows and Open Door and even all of those companies, and KW's doing that too. Um, they have a right to do that. That's part of their business model. As agents, if you're the type that just texts all day, good luck with that. And that's why I, I want to do business the old-fashioned way. I want to go back, and that's why I'm real big on community. And so you have to change your own self. You can't worry about everybody else. Because when you start worrying about all the other realtors, you're not worrying about Tiffany or Karen and yes. how you are different and so you start, the best way to be successful is to look at what everybody is doing and how could you do it differently. And that's what I chose to that's do. That's a hard thing because, I mean, if you're on Facebook, you see it all the time. I've I've got five new listings coming this week or I've got, you know, new buyer under contract. And you're like, well, I don't have anything this yeah, week. Yeah, so you get discouraged. You do. You get yeah. really discouraged. You think... Which it's a facade. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Facebook. It's mm-hmm. they don't show you. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't put on there. I went to a I went to a showing and the buyer never showed up. You right. know, I don't. <laughs> that happens to me. Right. And I don't put that on there. But or I just fixed the floor right before the inspection. So <laughs> you know, I sanded a floor. I just fell flew, fell through the floor. That's right. Showing this right. So so yes. I mean, you know, it's our responsibility also to. I get frustrated looking at Facebook because we all. We forget that we're human beings and we get our feelings hurt. My feelings get hurt all the time. So it's a reminder. It's like I just won't be a part of that anymore. And and it's taken me years to get there. I mean, you know, if you have friends or neighbors or whatever who list with somebody else, well, I know, and I don't like to admit it, it was my responsibility to try, but I was scared. Yeah. And you admit that, and then you go, okay, so how can I change? I think about that, too. Like, if I'm calling someone and I want to list this for sale by owner and mm-hmm. someone else gets it, I'm like, I didn't do enough, you know? I right. Good for them, but I just didn't, I didn't do what I should have done. Well, but we're taught 
to feel that way, and I don't think I think that's because that comes, you know, that's that little devil that sit on your shoulder and you don't give yourself credit and that's why sales is so psychological yes. it's like and that's why people don't do self-care that's why people don't do anything because they're scared to lose that next lead or that next sale. I feel it too I, I feel it I feel it all the time of you know I, I love to go on vacation I went to France last mm-hmm. year never been out of the country I had to, to get a passport the first time mm-hmm. in my life and I was terrified. I thought mm-hmm. I can't go away for two weeks. I've I own a business. Mm-hmm. I can't just let people go. Right. I don't have a team behind me to take care of my business. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you when you go out of town? I've thought about teams, but I used to own companies and I had employees. So and then I also see what happens with big teams is that as the um, the mega agent starts get busier and busier. Well, some of their clients who they started with in the beginning kind of get offended that they're being dropped. If there's a mistake, then a lot of times it's human nature. Oh, well, must have been so-and-so that messed up. Yes. I purposely did not set a team. have control issues. But but I didn't do (laughs) it because I wanted to make sure that if I messed up, I couldn't pass that on to somebody else. I was it. So that meant maybe making less money at the end of the year. But that money also has to, you know, you if you've operated a business, it's the number is great, but it doesn't mean that's your net. You have more responsibility. Right. My responsibility is to myself, my family, and um, to my clients. That's all I want. So have you, I, I met with someone yesterday, and every time I meet with someone, they're like, oh. You, you need an assistant. You can't sustain this. And I'm like, well, you know, I've done it so far, but mm-hmm. do you have an assistant? Have you no. ever, I mean, how do you, how do you control this beast of a business? It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, um, I'm a pain. So as soon as I start working with an agent, I tell them up front that I will, I will be in contact with you. So if you don't get me what I need, I will pester you. <laughs> And I feel bad for them, and I tell them that. But if I don't get what I need done, then the rest of my work falls apart. So I'm a taskmaster. I, I like details, and I i mean, you know, I've had maybe six to ten um, transactions going on at once several years ago, and it's hard. It is hard. But I get How do you- ready. But how do you, do you have a CRM that keeps up with this for you? Do you write it all down? How do you do this? I'm um, more visual, so I'm old-fashioned that way, so I write it down. I make a list of what I need to do in the morning. And at the end of the day, I've, uh, if I've missed emails, I follow up. So the busier I am, the better it is. As I've, I've purposely slowed down a little bit this past year, um, and it's sometimes it's hard, but I've never had a problem being motivated. I've always been self-employed since the age of 17. So wow. I've, you know, um, I don't know any differently. And Were your parents self-employed or you just? Um, my dad made paper to paper mill for 50 years. Okay. My mom had jobs and then finally bought her own little clothing business. So she was, was an entrepreneur. She was, well. yeah. And she and I graduated from high school together the same year. Wow. Yeah, my mom's from, you know, Catholic in northern Maine. They're both from families of 14 kids. So we don't – work is, you know, that's just who you are. If you're not working 80 hours a week, then what's wrong with you? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) 
I mean, I came from my my parents own a trucking company, so mm-hmm. we, we I mean, they were always entrepreneurs ever since I was a child. So when I had real jobs, I didn't know how to. I don't know how to do this. That's you know, right. someone telling me what to do and mm-hmm. uh, real estate just kind of happened. But yeah. I never thought I was going to do this. I never thought. Me neither. When I first started, I, I was like, well, if I can make $40,000 a year, great. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm rich, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, but I came from the news. I made $9 an hour. And right. I thought, man, I can. If I can sell real estate and make $40,000 a year, mm-hmm. wow, you know, yeah. that, yeah, I don't know. So I did, okay, I asked you about starting a team, so you you didn't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in, con- I don't want to not be in control of people, because um, I, don't, I don't think that's what teams, you're not controlling. No, I think we worry, though. If you're that type of personality, you might worry that you don't have that other person either motivated enough or uh, help them enough to get X amount of dollars to feed their families. It's a, it's, it seems terrifying to me if I, you know, what if I didn't sell six homes this month? I sold right. two. And well, I can handle that kind of load. I mm-hmm. mean, what is my buyer's Associate, agent yeah. or someone going to do? I, I don't know. Well, you could always work it out differently. I mean, some buyer's agents can have their own listing, so you can create your own model. Um, you asked me how, what do I do when I leave? I pay people per hour. And so if I need somebody to open a door for a client, even if it's 15 minutes, I make a commitment to pay them X amount of dollars. Are these new agents or just mm-hmm. anyone? It depends because I try to uh, fit the personality of the client to an agent that I know. Okay. So what if you, um, well, like me, I use Zillow. I use a lot of my business. 50% of my business comes from Zillow. Mm -hmm. And I do like that. I know Mm -hmm. it's a controversial thing, but I I love the clients that come from from there. Um, A lot of them are coming from the Northeast Mm -hmm. for some reason. Uh, they're all they're they're getting the word. Kentucky is great. <laughs> That's right. It's less cold and less expensive. <laughs> but I mean, I could get a call from a stranger. I don't really know who they are. I just talk to them for fifteen minutes on the phone. Who would you give someone like that to? A new agent or maybe you know you you um, well the first thing I want to make sure though if I'm going to give it to a new agent I want to make sure that that buyer is pre qualified because you don't want anybody yourself. Um, to waste time. And you don't know that person. So they could be spinning you a story. And so we all have to be safe. I've had those. Yeah, we all have had those. So um, yeah, it can be a new agent. I mean, but the new agent's personality, you have to, before you go away or before you build a relationship with X amount, and it can be another agent from another office, you know, that would work well. My niece started um, when I was at Keller Williams a little over a year ago. She's my little rock star. And so I would say, hey, I need help opening a door. Can you do it? And she'd say yes. And so even though, you know, she was my niece, I'd still pay her. Because you, same for with vendors. If you need an estimate for something, never take advantage of somebody because you always, you know, I hear that, oh, I'll send you a lot of business. And I'm like, don't do that. You might not. <laughs> you might not. Do the right thing. Yeah. Do the right, always yeah. do the right thing. So you said your niece is here in Lexington. Is your is your family here now? Or? No, she's my partner's um, uh, niece. And so we're married. And um, so 
she's part of my family. And I my family is still in Maine and in Massachusetts. Okay. Do you go back up there a lot? Um, I go to northern Maine in the summer. Um, you know, not in the winter. <laughs> not in the winter because it's really hard to fly there. They're, I mean, they've already had three feet of snow. Northern Maine. Yeah. I, <laughs> at the end of Route 1. Do you miss the food? Are you? Um, do you get a little sad? <laughs> no, because I can make it. I'm a pretty good cook. Um, but you know, I grew up speaking French as a first language, so I'm. I'm I heard that you yeah. didn't know English until you were seven. Yes, that's correct. And I may still come out with sentences that might be grammatically incorrect, and so I, I have no sense of direction either. <laughs> I mean, those are all things I tell my clients when I meet with them, and they just kind of look at me and go, "Oh, this." It'll be fun. She thinks in French, and she doesn't know how to get around. Great. <laughs> Do you mostly work buyers or sellers now? I love sellers, and I love buyers. You know, um, I'll never say no. I've, I tend to, um, because of, you know, what I created, I've, I've had a lot of sellers. Um, but, boy, I love, I love buyers. I mean, you know, by balancing it, because sometimes, like everything – we do, we forget. We forget what we're doing. So it's so easy to forget how to work with a buyer. It's humbling to work with a buyer. It's humbling to work with somebody, to, with a seller who doesn't have very much or who has very, I mean, it, it's people. It's I'm people. like, you know, I thought about it. I'm like 3,500. There's 3,500 of us. Mm -hmm. And 50 to 55 people this year chose to work with me. That's great. I, you know, why? You know, I, well, you think like they, they could have went, they could have went to 3,500 people. Others. others. So, but yeah. that's part of, because we don't have a sphere. That's how we're, we're building stuff. And so, you know, we have to um, congratulate ourselves. And I actually, I chuckled when you uh, emailed me and said that, you know, you, you wanted to speak to me because I don't think of myself that way. Oh, I think I of myself as, you know, a French little kid from northern Maine who learned how to speak English at the age of seven. I always, I'm like, I, I was not supposed to do this. I was supposed to be, like, living in a trailer mm -hmm. in eastern Kentucky. And I was the first person that went to college in my whole family. Right. Not just my, like, mom and dad, you know, like, my whole family. Mm -hmm. And here I am. Like, what? What a great I, success story, a, though. Well, it is. I mean, it's not about It's not about the money. It's about how we... We have grown as people. And so as you've gone through that, you said something in your questions about how do you treat, you know, other agents and stuff. I just tell new agents, I expect you to go to a crawl space. I expect you to go in a basement. I expect you to answer your phone. If you want to be good, then do the you work. Got it. it gets dirty. It Get gets dirty, dirty like man. <laughs> and if you don't want to go in that crawl space before you write that that offer, oh God. and all of a sudden they find out there's water in that, you you like you didn't see it. You didn't see it. You could have saved your client four hundred bucks on inspection just by looking. So, how did you start when you when you first started two thousand six? How did you get business? Um, I called the, the the president of the Northside Neighborhood Association. Asked them when their first meetings were. And they told me, and I introduced myself, and then I said, I'm willing to volunteer. And a year later, they asked me to be on their board. North side as in north of downtown? Correct. It's the oldest neighborhood association in Lexington. Which would be, what, Ellesmere, Fayette, Ellesmere, Broadway? Fayette. Yeah, there are parts of it, um, depending on, you know, it's kind of cuts around. Then you've got 
some parts of MLK that will also join. Um, parts of um, Short Street may join. Um, then you've also Short Street, you get into the western suburb. Um, so they're all really downtown, but they have their own little, you know, neighborhood associations, so it's not overwhelming. Okay. So, so that's how you, you volunteered for this board, mm-hmm. and you just met people through this board. I did. And yeah. that's how you built a business. Yeah, and then I would just, um, I mean, you know, KW gave me some, there were some great agents there who had been in the business, Myrna Downing, Linda Wiley, Sherry Butler, they were the Kitty Lane. When I had questions and I would go freaky, they always <laughs> answered my questions. And I remember writing my first contract and I had no clue how to do it. And I just, but they helped me. And so, so now... I want to help others. Kitty Lane is just the love of my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I talk about her like every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do that on purpose. Well, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Because they are successful and they are open to helping others. Oh, and when yes. you get successful, it is your responsibility, my belief system, nobody else's, that you have to, I'm a big believer in pay it forward. Now, as I said, I'm also tough on people. I will pay it for it if you are going to also have I bet that. you're super tough on your niece, aren't you? I am. You're like, you're better yeah. than this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am because you know what? You have to have accountability. And you have to have somebody that will, when we're fearful, we have to have somebody that will pull you out of it. Because we get scared. Now, you know those mega agents all have those same issues. They will never admit to it. But they have those days. Uh, yeah. Where the phone's not ringing and you're going. See, I never thought I, I asked somebody, I think it was a year, year and a half ago. I asked an agent in my office, you know, do you ever have days that you don't have any appointments mm-hmm. for that day? No, that would be great. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's just me. <laughs> that was the wrong person. to. <laughs> no, it's not just you <laughs> at all. There are a lot of people. It, I mean, it has, it has, there's others out there. There you are, know? but you know, our problem is that those days that we're not busy, we should be doing something fun. See, that's what I, I, I listen to all these podcasters and all these, I'm a big fan of Ricky Caruth and, and, you know, YouTube people. Mm-hmm. And they always say, well, if you don't have any appointments that day, just get on the phone for eight hours and cold call. And I'm like, no, maybe I don't want to. No, no. I mean, so I've picked up a new hobby, and that's kayaking. Not in Lexington, but um, so I You're just... You're not kayaking in Jacobson Park? I'm, I'm <laughs> not. Um, I did try elk, uh, Elkhorn uh, years ago and flipped and then, you know, lost my eyeglasses, and that was a disaster. Um, luckily, somebody was able to drive me home. But, no, I mean, you know, I, I went from um, working 100 and 50 hours a week to maybe a year ago going, whoa, you know, I'm, I've got to take care of myself because I felt that I wasn't as nice as I wanted to be, as I could be. It's just part of burnout. It's human nature. And so it's not, if, if you just, if your focus is just on making money, I mean, that's such a small part of who you are. And if you don't have that balance, you're going to blow up. You're not going to get the quality, because we're never going to live today again. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, to me, this is today, this podcast is the only thing I've got going on. And it 
I was Does it actually, feel good? <laughs> I was, it feels good because I was excited about it. I was excited to meet you and to have more conversations with you. And um, then when I go home, you know, I've got some work to do, and I'll do that for an hour or two. That is new behavior learned for me, to not work and not feel guilty. That is tough. I'm 59, and I think it's taken me. You know, and I used to preach that when I had a massage practice to self-care. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it got to the point where I would say to and people would go, I know, I know I got to do better. I so I used to call it the I know it disease. <laughs> and so I have the I know it disease. And I, so had now, the, I have that maybe. Yeah. And that. so you, you've got to, we've got to enjoy life. So um, Sheridan Sims was on the show and mm-hmm. we talked about goals and different things. And, and he said, there's, there's so many people that he talks to that, I, you know, if I could sell, I want to sell 10 million or I want to sell, I want to get to 5 million or whatever. And, and I said, no, I'm not that way. I want to sell, I, I want to sell 50 homes a year, 60 homes a year, and the money will just be there. Like I just, it's helping people, you know, as many people mm-hmm. as, as I can. And it's not a dollar bill figure. It's just you know, who out there needs some help, you know? Um, What were your goals back when you were, you know, sell, 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 and then have those changed now? They have. And, you know, everybody asks about, um, I remember the the last conversation I had about what's your big why? And my answer to that was my big why back then is different than now. My big why back then was surviving and making money because I didn't have any money. I had my own company and I sold it. But I didn't make very much money after owning that company for 20 years. And I got into real estate just kind of a fluke. I sold a condo we had in Florida, and the market was doing really well. And I thought, well, that was oh, easy. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and then it tanked. And- I had my license that day. Um, but I didn't think about it. And maybe that was good because I might have said, I can't do it. My mother, with her beautiful French accent, said, but you're very smart. You can do it. And I said, hmm, okay, let me try. And then I got into it. I, the first week, somebody asked me about my sphere and everything else and said, you know, maybe you're in the wrong business. Okay, so, so tell me that with my personality every Same. time that I've been told that. I'm sorry, honey. I'm, not I'm gonna good run, at hearing it. I am going to run circles around you. I am just, just, is prove it to myself, but prove it to you. And that's what I did. And I'm so glad. Do you know when I first came to Lexington, I interviewed at certain companies mm-hmm. and they told me that you're, you're not going to be an agent. You're, you need to be an assistant. You're, you're, you've got the personality, the, the, the disc profile. Mm-hmm. I'm a high C, high D. And well, you need to, you're an excellent assistant. When you join this company, all of our mega agents are going to want to recruit you as their assistant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. And so they wouldn't take me. Right. And I, I, I went out and sold $3 million of property that there year. You go. But it's, there you go. I am very motivated by right. stuff like that. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but maybe it is. I think it's a it great is. thing because. <laughs> Because you can't be a follower. You have to be a leader. And and if you just are leading yourself, that's okay. Because nobody's going to take care of you. Yeah, that's true. That's what I, you know, that's... That's what our families <laughs> taught us growing up. Uh, this is getting real personal, but I get all the time of, you don't have children, you know, you don't want children, and who's going to take care of you when you're old? I'm mm-hmm. like, right here, honey. That's right. I am. That me. That's right. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Well, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, you know, my mom always taught me that even if you are in a relationship, have your own bank account. Have a household account yeah. where bills are paid. And so when your spouse or your partner wants to spend money, and if if it's their money, let them spend it. What does your partner do? Are they is she in sales or she is a software person and oh, she, mine too. Yeah. And <laughs> she she um, commutes um, all the time. She's been on the road for thirty years. Mine's about to go to Sweden on my oh, birthday. Well, hey, that's that's <laughs> part of it. The good thing though that with our we've been together almost twenty two years is that she has been my number one fan and I've been twenty two years. Twenty two years and we're still going strong um she's a kentucky girl and that's how i ended up in kentucky but did you meet in line a, date new york city so she lived in new york and no and she worked in new york she would fly to new york she goes to a lot of the large um cities because she works with uh, a software program for large law firms so she's all over the world but you, were you living in new york at i was that living time? in connecticut okay and yeah. that's right across yeah i took the train, the train for a date and oh, so that's how we met. And it's it was the best chance How ever. did someone set you up on a blind? Because that was the days before you didn't meet her on Tinder. No, <laughs> no, AOL, no pictures. I have neighbors. They're Steve and Steve. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I love that about them. But they're clients, too. And they moved right in front of me. And I asked them, how did you two meet? Because they've been married for Long, long, long time. Right. And he said, well, um, Steve here saw me in a newspaper, <laughs> and I was holding a baby in a newspaper, and he found me, you know, it said my name, Stephen, on the paper, and he he found me at my job and sent me an email and said, I saw you in the paper. I thought you looked really nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. That happens. Yeah. So, um. I'm a new agent, let's say. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a brand new agent, and I come to you, and I say, Karen, you know, I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about getting my real estate license. What do you tell someone? I celebrate it. You do? Because the first time that I met an agent, as soon as I got my license, somebody that Terry knew, um, and it was, I was just so fired up. I was like, I can't believe that I even passed that exam. <laughs> you know, you just want to hold it and just go, oh. <laughs> sleep under my pillow. Um, he said to me, there are too many agents right now. Good oh, luck with that. That was that was back when there was, In I, I don't know how many, but not that many. And no. the market was like, top, top, top. Top, top, top. I talked to someone else about this and they, uh, Christy, Christy Gooch. And uh-huh. she was like, I was like, man, back then you, were you just selling the fire out of some real right. estate? There's less competition. The uh-huh. market's up. And she's like, no, not really. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, you go back and you celebrate it because why would you want to be negative? I don't know. I, I, I'm, if someone tells me I'm going to get my real estate license, I'm like, no, don't do it. Well, no, but, <laughs> but here's the thing. What you have to tell them is the truth, that it's a lot of work. That's, I've only met one person in five years that I, I went up to them and I said, have you ever thought about selling real estate? Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it's been two. One of them was um, I sold airplanes before houses and and I I worked with this guy but he was a licensed pilot Uh and he was young he was 21 years old and he had all so many letters after his name like more (laughs) credentials than a doctor and I thought wow you know and now he flies for Delta but 
man on the phone, he was a killer. Mm-hmm. He was from Kentucky, and, you know, he talked real thick, and people just loved him. And I thought, you should sell real estate. Nah, you know, pi- being a pilot was his right. his dream, and that's, that's right. I get that. But him, and then I met I met this woman at a Subway. She was working at a Subway. And when I, I thought, oh, I'm going to go in here and get me a sandwich. I'll be daggone. When I went out, I had a combo. I had extra cheese. She I had everything. another potato chip bag. <laughs> I thought, how did this happen to me? I spent like $15 at the Subway. Uh-huh. And then I went back in and I said, you know, I know this sounds weird, but have you ever thought about getting your real estate license? No, I would never do that. <laughs> because it's, you know, people do, I mean, the people know their limitations. And so it real estate is a lot of work. And um, if you're the kind of agent that really cares about things, you'll do the right thing. If it's an agent that's new and is just going to text, I tell agents, please do me a favor. If we're going to work together, if I say help, I need you to call me. There's nothing worse than getting one of those bad texts about, oh, I think, you know, the deal's fire, falling apart. The deal's falling apart. Why didn't apart. you call me? So then I call them and they don't answer. And then I blow up their phone. And I will blow it up till 3 in the morning till I get somebody on the phone. And they won't pick up the phone. So just for, for the old farts, pick up the phone. Because you don't know the tone of a text. You don't know the tone of an email. Man, I pick up the phone. I get so many calls from... Now, this time of year, when health insurance is coming out, I get Connecticut and Florida, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Michael's like, why are you answering that? You know it's going to be a, have you signed up for health insurance yet? I'm like, no. What if it's not? Exactly. You know, I answer, man, I answer it all. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really Kevin Bradley. You know Kevin Bradley. He's the number one agent in Elbar. Right. And I... um, I just think he's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And one day, well, I've had, I've never sold one of his homes, but I show a lot of them because he's the number one agent (laughs) in Elbar. But I I tell you, I I could pick up the phone right now. I could call him, and that man is going to answer that Mm -hmm. phone. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, if Kevin Bradley can answer his phone for a 606 phone number, Uh literally you can answer your phone. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Kitty Lane will answer the phone if uh-huh. I call her right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. That that's the sign of a real professional. Real yes. estate is not having a license. It's not by accident that no. these people are are where they are. Uh-uh. It's not at all. You got to work hard and you have to when you're in a relationship with somebody you have to let them know. That they knew what they signed up for. They knew. Well, if they didn't know, you better <laughs> tell them right away because, you know, you're all consumed. You're going to be, as soon as you get off a plane you're, and you turn your phone off, there's a problem. Exactly. Uh, yes, you blow, all, your phone blows up. Yes. And you have to make that commitment or you have to have somebody that will follow through on this end and help you. And you have to be available when they ask you to help them. How do you generate business now? Now, um, because, you know, I'm in year 14, I've been meeting with clients that I've worked with in the past. Repeat referral. Repeat referral. Um, I had, you know, this week I've met with three clients. Um, One of them is prepping for a year down the road. I get those too. Yeah, and that's fine because, you know, I want them to feel comfortable to ask me those questions. There's another one that met with me and said, I might sell my property, I might not, so I don't want to waste your time. I'm like, 
We're this is what I do. This is, I do this for fun. Right. Like, we're friends. <laughs> you know, I've known you for 14 years, and you, I sold you your first place, or maybe not your first place, but you were one of my first clients. It's my job to, to work with you. Yes. Um, and if I'm not in touch with them, that's my responsibility if I've lost that person. Do you have goals this year of how much you want to sell or what you want to do or you just? I do. Um, it's not as big as it used to be several years ago, um, but my focus is on quality work and um, making sure that whatever I do is not going to fall apart. It's going to be the best thing that can be out there. Do you think you'll retire, like no. get out of the business? No. I don't know how people do that, but, but um, people do. Well, you can, <laughs> but I think also that when you retire, you you really lose your purpose. You can't, for me, I can't just retire. I will always have to work. Not you can't of just money. kayak all the time. No, <laughs> although I did see four dolphins, and that, that was like, you in know. the Elkhorn Creek? <laughs> no, in St. Petersburg Beach, and it was the most awesome thing. I man. went kayaking at St. Pete. I had a I had an ex-boyfriend that lived there uh-huh. on the water, uh-huh. and it was beautiful. Not him, but the, but the, but the <laughs> dolphins and the manatees. I, I got out of this kayak. He refused to get out. I got out, and I thought, I'm going to swim, and this thing comes up out of the water, and I screamed bloody murder. I, I got back in that boat and I was like, what was that? And he's like, that was a manatee. They're, it's and he's amazing, like, it just wants though. to love you. It doesn't it does. want to hurt you. They're so sweet. I've never seen one in my life. Me neither <laughs> until, you know, a few weeks ago. It was the most incredible thing. But, you know, some people choose to just be all about business. I'm choosing to finally to, to be about business but also to learn about things that I just put on the back burner. To learn, I mean, you know, God, that was an experience. That I, my, my nieces in Massachusetts swam with the dolphins, and back then I was too scared to do it. And I'm like, God, what was your problem? <laughs> I mean, I'll kayak with them. I just wanted to pet them, bring is them she, home. Your niece, though, is she a solo agent or is she working on a team? A solo agent right now. She is. Uh-huh. Okay. Have you, did you, in the beginning, you know, think about, well, I could, I could have her as my teammate. And I we thought about it, but we're both strong families. I mean, we're both strong personalities <laughs> and, <we're, laughs> and so, you know, you have to look at that, but I will always help her. If she calls me and she's having a rough day, I'm there. And what I'm advice what advice are you did you give her in the beginning and what would you give to a new agent just starting out obviously you pick up the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> well and she'll laugh because her first listing she's like there's there's water in the crawl space I said go in and she goes what I said go in the crawl space she's like no I said go in the crawl space <laughs> she goes all right I'll go and then she took a picture and, and I said take a picture I want to know you went in there and and so she the loan officer she's working with knows me really well. And she goes, Russ, she made me go in the crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's that deep? She's exactly. literally crawling. Oh, I've crawled. <laughs> I've crawled in them. I mean, you know what? It's all, it's all part of it. What makes you love old houses? Um, I'm assuming that you do. You're, I do. I you love know. them. Um, well, and the house we're in now is in a mid-century modern, so it's still <gasps> old. Have you been to Palm Springs? Yes, we had a place there. We just sold it. Um, no, you did not. Yeah. Well, we were in Rancho Mirage. We sold it. But it, it, it's a love, and and it it feels like a privilege to have it passed on to you. I like old houses that still have some character. I like new 
in the inside the house, but I still have a level of respect. Like so, if it's got heart pine wood on the second floor and third floor, which is where they used to be, because that was the cheapest wood, and somebody's finished it. I mean that that is like it's golden because it's a privilege for us to live in those homes that were built in eighteen. Oh man, I had a client that um, they were buying a remodeled home mm-hmm. and uh, it was on Della in Gardenside mm-hmm. and they beautiful and it was nineteen fifties I think right. maybe earlier but it had this beautiful hardwood and just that old charm not as old as you're talking mm-hmm. about but still old right. I'll be daggone. They came in there and they put laminate. They covered up that wood floor with uh, vinyl plank. And I was like, why did you do that? Oh, we've got four dogs. You know, they were going to scratch the floor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why'd you do that? (laughs) So those of us who have that love, you know, we have to kind of back off sometimes. That's true. Because it's their house now. But the good thing with that couple is that they covered it so somebody can remove that down the road when they go to sell. All that original trim came off and they put new trim on it. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And that's that happens, you know, in urban corridors where somebody comes in and they remodel it like they would in the burbs. And then they wonder why it's not selling. So here's my two cents about mm-hmm. downtown uh, condo townhomes. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to move into uh, a townhome or something downtown. I would love to live downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these condos and townhomes, I don't know if it's the same, if these builders are getting all these products at the same place. They all look the same. They all do look the same. You know, Do you notice mm-hmm. that too? They mm-hmm. all look the same. They've got the same cabinets. They've got the same laminate or whatever Mm -hmm. they've put in there Mm -hmm. i mean they're building brand new ones down there and they look the same some people though because you have a lot of people who are empty nesters or who are accustomed to that look will appreciate that not everybody does and so it's it's hard i mean it ends up being a spreadsheet so i've always said um if there is a developer that's going to do something in an or- urban corridor, please talk to the agents that sell the product. It will help. Yes. If your agents, you know, and, and that could be if you're developing in the s- suburbs and you're talking to somebody who likes old, that's not the right fit. Yes. And so, you know, so finding what you like is probably going to take a little bit more time. So I have my last question for you is what makes you passionate about this still after after all these years? What makes you get out of bed and you're excited to do this still? Um, It's still about people, no matter what business I've been in. I mean, you know, when I was practicing nutrition, it was about helping a client. When I was doing massage, doing hospice work, it was about helping a client. When it's with houses, it's about helping the client find a home. It's not a house. It's a home. It's a lifestyle. Right, that's all I've got. Thank you, Karen. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Karen works for the brokerage. She's an agent at the brokerage. Um, If anyone wants to find out about you, do you have a website that they can go to? Um, They can go to thedupregroup.com or let's lexgodowntown.com. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everyone, for listening.